Man, come on. If that doesn't get you fired up, then I don't know what is, it's going to take to get you fired up. I love that video. Man, I love that thought that your life is but a blink of an eye, and yet the things that you do and the, the way that we live our lives echoes for eternity. Amazing. Man, we, uh, I said at the outset, we're glad you guys are here tonight, and um, especially this is your first time and kind of figuring this, this thing out and what we've been what we've been doing. And here's, as we get started, as we, as we finish up the year tonight, I wanna, I wanna do something a little bit different. And here's what, what I believe about this room, all right? I believe that in this room there are a few hundred common, ordinary students with an uncommon calling. I believe there are students in this room, you guys that have what it takes, everything that it takes, to go against the flow, to live set apart from the world, to live with radical faith and unwavering obedience. I believe that there are, is a room full of students tonight in this room who have everything that it takes that God is gonna use to stir up an awakening like we maybe have never seen before in our community. Here's the cool thing is that that is a calling that God has placed on every single one of you in this room. There's no exceptions, there's no exclusions. I'm not talking about just to you guys in the front and center because you lift your hands during worship. I'm not talking about you know, those that have been coming every single week. I'm talking about every single one of you in the room, whether this is your first time or whether you've been here every single week all year long. You are a part of something or have the, 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 the potential to be part of something that is uncommon. You have the opportunity to be a part of something significant, something that, like that video says, potentially echoes for eternity. But whether or not this comes to fruition in our life, whether or not we live an uncommon life, is really, it comes down, it's dependent upon you. You're the one that decides who you live for and what you make your life about. You are the one that decides whether or not you are gonna live uncommon or whether you're gonna go with the flow. There's nothing that, as much as sometimes I wish I could, convince you or make you or force you or any of that kind of stuff. This is a a decision that every single one of you in the room have to make for yourself. When my life is all said and done, at the end of it all, when I breathe my last breath, What do I want said about me? What will people say that my life was about? And what this series is about, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, is hopefully kind of shine a light on on the truth and that you guys grab a hold of the possibility that you can live an uncommon calling. That you can rise up and embrace it and say, that's what I want to make my life about. There's a, a verse that we've been using over the last couple of weeks for this, uh, this series, and it's in First uh, Timothy verse four, or chapter four, and here's what it says. Paul says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Have you guys ever asked yourself the question, 30 years from now, you don't have to answer this, but to yourself, have you ever asked this or thought this? 
30 years from now, what will be said about my generation? Have you ever had those thoughts? Have you ever had those questions? you ever allowed those, those kind of ideas to, to come through your mind and to, and to dwell on those things? 30 years from now, what will be said about us? What will be said about us? How will we be defined? How will people look back at us? How will history judge us? What will they say we, we determined was the most important thing? Because whether or not you like it or not, your generation will be defined, just like every other generation behind you. There will be other people that will look back and say, this is what that generation was about. This is how they lived their life. And there's a lot of it, granted, that is out of your control. There's some of it, some of the outside events and some of the circumstances that you can't control or predict. But there's so much of it that you get to determine about what is said about you. You get a chance to define what your generation is all about. I've looked back, and believe it or not, I'm not from the same generation that you are. I know that's shocking. I'm only 22. But um, I've, I've had that, that thought. I've had that question. Like, what, what, will, what will be said about my generation? And, um, and the crazy thing for me is that it's too late. Like, those things have already been said. So I was, I was kind of looking back over the last couple of days and saying, well, all right, I'm a part of Generation X. All right, and so the, the years were 1966 to 1980, and before you freak out, I barely made the cut on that, all right, so get off my back. So I'm, I wasn't born in the 60s or something crazy. Um, I barely made the cut, but I'm a part of Generation X, no offense, Brad Obi. I barely made the cut, all right, and so I was looking back, well, what, what was said, what is being said about Generation X, about my generation, and here's some things that I found out. They are the all-knowing spoiled kids of the baby boomers that have few ambitions and are less driven to change the world. That sucks. Here's what else it says. The Generation X kids are called the latchkey kids. They're exposed to things like daycare and to family instability. Now, as I see that definition, some of the things I'm looking at, that's my generation. That's, that's what they're saying I am. And I'm not sure I'm okay with that. I might look at things like few ambitions, less driven to change the world. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not cool. What are you, what are you talking about? That's, that's our generation. And I'm looking back at that, and I'm not, not cool with some of those things, but it's too late. Those things have already been defined. Those things have already been determined. Now, what about for your generation? All right? You guys are a part of, and I was didn't really make all that much sense, but you guys are part of Generation Z, right? You guys, how many, how many didn't know that? All right, good, this is gonna be educational. So you guys are part of Generation Z, which started those that were born from 1995 until basically the present. So that's, that's all of you in the room, all right, teenagers. So what is being said currently about your generation? Because they haven't... <laughs> They haven't closed it off yet, all right? But here is right now what is being said about your generation. A volatile environment of terror threats, possible nuclear and biological attacks, and violence. Family, listen, family stability and moral values are put aside 
and there is a heightened sense of self. All right, in other words, your generation is more consumed with yourself. Many in this age range will feel that school violence and shootings will have the greatest impact on their generation. Rather than optimistic, this generation is realistic and they understand how scary the world can be. And yet, if you're bummed out, here's a little, here's a little shining light. Yet they are ready to take on problems and to make improvements. Now, as you think about some of those things that, that are currently being said about your generation, are you okay with that? I mean, I don't wanna necessarily tell you how you should feel or whatever, but I'm looking at that too going, heightened sense of self, don't really care about moral values, there's no family stability, and, and there's, some, there's some aspects of what is being said that seems a little bit depressing. And the question that I wanna pose to you guys tonight, and, and then we'll get into where we're going, is, is that how you want your generation to be defined? Because here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe that God has something in store for your generation, that God has called you to something much greater than that. That rather than you guys being a generation that is overwhelmed with the reality of darkness, you guys choose to become a generation that is overwhelmed with the reality that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, some of you guys may, may sit here and go, hey look, you know, there's only 300 people in the room-ish, and uh, how, how do you expect that we're gonna change the world and change our generation, and you know, you're, you're shooting a little bit, you're being a little bit too optimistic here, and things like that. What I wanna challenge you guys on, the focus is not so much the result. The focus is on who has God called you to be? Because sometimes what we do is we get hung up in kind of the, the final deal, and what the results are gonna be about the way we live or certain things are gonna happen or whatever. And the more important thing is to take a step back and to say, who has God called you to be? As an individual, as a ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grader in the room, who is it that God has called you to be? And you leave the results up to God, but what you focus on is God, I wanna be who you've called me to be. Here's the, uh, I'm gonna give you the main point and then we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about this. You are a common person with an uncommon calling. You are a common person with an uncommon calling. All right, everybody say that. You are a common person with an uncommon calling. That was terrible. Let's try this again. You are a common person with an uncommon calling. We're not, we're not making a pledge here or anything. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are a common person with an uncommon calling. All right. All right, that's all you're supposed to say. Don't get into a dialogue with them about how your day was. All right, hang on. Come back to me. You are a common person with an uncommon calling. 
Here's what we have to understand. First and foremost, you and I are common people. All right, we are nothing special by the world standards. All right, and I'm not dogging you or me or whatever. Track along with me what I'm saying. Over the uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking in this series, we've been talking about the story of Joseph in the Bible. We talked about the story of David in the Bible. And here were two guys that were nothing special. They were insignificant in terms of what the world defined success was or what the world defined value was. They were nobodies. They were just ordinary, common guys, but God had called them to an uncommon calling. God had called them to something that was much more significant than who the world said that they were and who the world defined them to be. We go back, when I said just a few minutes ago about, you know, you had that question, well, you know, we're just a room full of a couple hundred people. And the truth is, and the cool thing is, is that Jesus changed the world with 12 guys. So as much as that is a valid excuse, the truth is Jesus did it with, with a much smaller group of guys. And these weren't, these guys that Jesus chose to use were the bottom of the barrel. Now, if, if you were to go, you know, you, you jumped into the world and you were the Messiah and you came to redeem the world and rescue the world, and that would be a cool thing, and you were to pick 12 guys, all right, God said, hey, just pick 12, then you would start walking around and you would kind of phase out a lot of people and you would narrow the search down to where you find, found 12 of the brightest and the strongest and the most influential and the most impressive men and women that you could possibly find, and those would be the 12 that you would choose to change the world with. And then you look at how Jesus changed the world, and he didn't take 12 guys who were impressive that other people went, man, Jesus could do a lot of damage with these guys. What Jesus chose to use were those 12 guys who were outcasts, who were socially unacceptable, who they were not the religious elite in that day, they were not rich or wealthy, they weren't powerful rulers, they weren't people that had a lot of significance in that day and time and that culture. These were fishermen. These were tax collectors, disreputable sinners like tax collectors. These were rejects, these were outcasts, these were guys that I'm sure as he assembled them and said, all right guys, we're it. The guys probably looked around and went, are you nuts? And other people probably looked at and said, man, Jesus, you're crazy. You could pick, you could find much more significant and important people than those 12. And yet those were the 12 guys that Jesus chose to use. Outcasts, common, ordinary people. That's what you and I are. And again, it's not a knock to us or I'm not trying to make you upset or whatever. Have you, maybe, maybe for some of you guys tonight, you walked in the room and you felt like you were nobody special. Maybe you thought there was nothing significant about you. Maybe that's because people have told you that. 
Maybe it's, it's come from within the walls of your own family. Maybe that's just for whatever reason you've looked and you've said, well, I can't do this and I can't do this. And you have judged yourself as a common, ordinary person, as somebody that is not very special. And I would just encourage you to say that that's the, by saying that's the exact place that you should be in. Maybe you right now where you sit in, in that seat, you think that you are unworthy of being used by God. And I would say that's the exact right place that you need to be in. Because what God decides and, what, and, and the people that God determines he's gonna change the world with are not those people that other people look at and they're impressed with or they have all the qualities that the world defines they should have. The people that Jesus uses are the unworthy. The people that, that God uses are the insignificant. The ones that know that they're just common, ordinary people. They're nobody special. See, our own unworthiness doesn't disqualify us. In fact, if anything, our unworthiness actually qualifies us. God is unconcerned with how we measure up because here's the amazing thing about all of us in this room. Even though we are common, ordinary, unworthy people, Jesus makes us worthy because of his death and resurrection. Jesus is the one that looks at your life and he sees the, the mistakes and he sees the shortcomings and he sees all those things that other people point at and they say, you'll never amount to anything or you won't do this or whatever. And Jesus says, you are unworthy. Every single one of us are unworthy of this uncommon calling. But it's Jesus who makes us worthy. It is Jesus who looks at us and he says, yeah, you don't have all those things, but you've got what I'm looking for. You know that, you're, that you feel unworthy and that's exactly where you need to be because I'm the one that's gonna make you worthy. And what Jesus is not looking for are us to kind of pat ourselves on the back and we say, I've got what it takes or I can do this or God, I'm gonna do all these amazing things for you. What Jesus is looking for are the men and women who would say, God, I am unworthy to be used by you, but you make me worthy, so count me in. God, I wanna, I wanna live up to this uncommon calling that you've given me. God, I wanna be who you've called me to, to be. I wanna do what you've called me to do. God, I thank you that you make me worthy, and so whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So what does it mean to, to live unworthy, I wanna, or excuse me, to live uncommon? I want to, uh, to give you four quick things, and then we'll wrap up tonight. Here's what it means to live uncommon. The first thing, living uncommon means that our allegiance is to Jesus and not the things of this world. If we're gonna live a life that's uncommon, if we're gonna live out that calling that Jesus has called us to, it means that our allegiance has to be to Jesus and not the things of the world. In Hebrews chapter 13, here's what the writer says. He says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. See, if we're to live the common life, if we're to live the, the, and live out the common calling, 
It means that we find our significance and our value and we put our allegiance in the things of this world. So we allow the world to define us. We allow the world to determine our success. We allow the world to tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And all the things that the world has to offer, we live out our life with those things as our satisfaction. Those things, at, those things own our allegiance. We tie ourselves to those things. We make that the most significant thing. And what we end up doing is we put our hope in things in this world that are temporary. That, are, that never existed, were never given to us, that can, can never give us the hope and the satisfaction that we're craving and that we're looking for. And ultimately what that leads to is disappointment because they don't do what we think that they should do for us. But it's the uncommon calling. When we live the uncommon life, what that means is that we realize that God's the one who gives us value and significance. And so we put our allegiance in, in Jesus' hands. We look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, I'm not gonna define my success or my significance or my value and all those things that the world has to offer, but God, I'm gonna tie my allegiance to you because you are the one that gave up your life for me. You are the one that created me. You are the one that determines my success. You're the one that defines my value. And so Jesus, I'm gonna tie my allegiance to you because if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, what the writer in Hebrews is saying is that we are not of this world. This world is not our home. Jesus has called us to something much greater. We get an opportunity to be aligned with the Savior, with the Redeemer, with the Creator of the world, and that means an eternity spent with Him. And so why find our value and significance in temporary things that the world has to offer when Jesus has called us out of that and into something much more significant? And if we're gonna live the uncommon life, it means that we determine that our allegiance is to Jesus and Jesus alone. Doesn't mean we can't find happiness or joy or enjoy those things of the world, but it means they don't define us and it means our allegiance is not tied to those things. Living uncommon also means that we are focused on building God's kingdom and not our own kingdom. We are focused on building God's kingdom and not our own kingdom. Now, maybe you're saying, what, is this, what does that mean? It means that this is not about us. Your life is not about you. My life is not about me. The life that Jesus has given us, and especially the life that God has called us to, is a life that that means we live uncommon and it means that we are focused not on what's in it for me, but we're focused in on what's in it for him. And it means all of our effort and all of our focus and everything that we're about is about building God's kingdom and not our own kingdom. Here's so often what happens with a lot of us. And I'm talking about Christians, people who put their faith and trust in Jesus, and then they start out and they go, hey God, I'm gonna be about you. God, you've set me free, you've redeemed me. God, you've given me life, and I wanna be about you and building your kingdom. And we start off that way, but yet 
tucked back in the back of our mind, we're still thinking, well, how can I do this? Or what, how will I benefit the most if I decide to do this? Or if, man, God, if, if I do go this direction, then I can do something great for you. And ultimately, people are going to notice and they're going to take uh, I'm going to get recognition and fame, and it's going to mean that people are going to put my name up. And so slowly and slowly, it becomes less about building God's kingdom. And all of a sudden, we start determining that we're building our own. And we start talk, talking about things that we're going to do for God, rather than things that God's going to do through us. We talk about ways that we're going to serve God instead of ways that we're going to surrender to God. And we focus more on our service and what we can do to please God and ultimately so that other people take notice rather than saying, Jesus, it's about surrender. I'm focusing less on all of these things that I wanna do and I'm focusing more on just a daily surrender to you of saying, God, get me the heck out of the way. This is not about building my kingdom. This is about building your kingdom. And the funny thing about living the uncommon life is that you can't juggle both. You can't have some of the focus in building your own kingdom, but then also try to still build God's kingdom at the same time. Either we're building God's kingdom or we're building our own, and there's no middle ground. And what Jesus is calling us to in an uncommon life is to focus on building his kingdom. Luke 9, 23, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says something significant. And he's talking to all those people who are following him, but they're doing it with the notion, what's in it for me? And here's what he says. He says, Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what Jesus warns them about is the same thing that he warns us about. Is that if you choose to say, God, I'm all in, then it means a daily dying to ourself. This is not about me. This is not about my dreams. This is not about my plans. This is not about my future. This is not about what I want and my hopes and what I, the education that I want to get. All of those things become secondary. And we put those things aside and we say, Jesus, this is about your plan. God, this is about your calling. God, this is about your your plan for me and what you've called me to do and what you've called me to live out. And we surrender all of those things and we allow God to determine what we do and we make our life about building God's kingdom. The third thing, living uncommon means that we shine a light in the darkness, not run from it. We shine a light in the darkness, not run from it. A couple nights ago, um, our, uh, our six-year-old, Literally, middle of the night, it's like three or four in the morning, and all of a sudden, like blood-curling scream from, coming from upstairs. And you know, every so often, it happens very often, every so often, you know, one of the kids will wake up, and they'll start fussing or whatever, and we'll walk up and, and um, you know, hit them on the head and put them back out to sleep. And, no, just kidding, chill out. Um, you know, so most of the time, it's not that big of a deal, but this was something much different. 
So Jad, our six-year-old, screaming at the top of his lungs, and I sit up, and I'm like, what the crap is going on? And so I run upstairs, and, and I open up his room, and he's sitting up in his bed, and he's going, there's a bad guy, there's a bad guy, there's a bad guy. And I'm like, bud, chill out, there's no bad guys, it's all good. And then all of a sudden, he, kept, he wouldn't stop. He kept screaming it and screaming it, and he was so sure of himself that all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, is there somebody in here? And I'm looking around, and, and, and I mean, I'm half asleep, and so I'm like, man, there better not be somebody in here. I'm, you know, I'm in trouble. And, and um, so I'm looking behind the door, and I'm, you know, looking around the corner, or whatever, and finally I go back to his bed. I'm like, bud, there's, there's nobody here. It's okay. It's just you and me. You had a bad dream. Go back to sleep. And he wouldn't stop. So finally, I just, I picked him up, brought him downstairs um, with us, which doesn't happen very often at all. And, um, and so I'm like, this is the only thing I can get, get to, to you know, cause him to chill out a little bit. So, and I brought him downstairs, he's laying with us, and he wouldn't stop me for the next hour. Every couple of minutes, he would stand up and go, there he is, I see him. He's, he's looking, he's in the hallway. I, I just saw him move. And he, he kept doing this, and I'm like, and I'm getting a little bit, I'm getting a little bit scared here, in all honesty. And I'm trying to be, you know, dad and big tough guy and man of the house, and I'm like, crap, is there somebody in here? And I've got a baseball bat under my bed just in case. And I started thinking about, do I need to pull this sucker out? And um, so I'm like, bud, there's nobody here. It's all good. I'm putting the sheet over his head so that he can't see the, the hallway. And um, at one point I get up and I'm looking around. I'm like, bud, there's, no, there's nobody here. And he literally for an hour would not stop. And finally, the only thing that I could think about doing was I walked over to the, to the front of the room and by the hallway and I flipped the light on. And I should have done that two hours ago. And I flipped the light on, and all of a sudden, Jad could see everything. And he could see the reality that there was nobody there. There was no shadow. There was nobody hidden behind the corner. There was nobody standing over there ready to kill all of us. There was nobody there. And that was the only thing that allowed him to, react, to relax to the point that then he was able to go back to sleep. And I was thinking about that this week, in terms of this whole thing. So often as Christians, we run from the darkness. Either because it scares us, we're fearful of it, or maybe it's just because we, we, um, we run from it and, or, or we judge it because we just don't like it. Either it scares us and it makes us nervous, man, what are these people gonna do and how are they gonna treat me and what, you know, what if I hang out with them and that kind of thing. And so we kind of tuck ourselves away and, and we, we kind of are a little bit fearful and a little bit shy and, and scared of the darkness. Or we become the self-righteous Christians that look down our nose at the darkness. And we judge the darkness because we, we feel like we're better than the people that are living in the darkness and it becomes either an issue of fear or it becomes an issue of judgment. And God has called us to neither of those things. What God has called us to is to shine a light in the darkness. God has called us to be people of the light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. And that means what we're called to do is to display the light of God's glory and his goodness and his love and his faithfulness and his ability to rescue and redeem any light, any life, no matter how dark their life is. 
And if we're gonna live the uncommon life, rather than casting, our no, or casting judgment on them, looking down our nose in judgment on them, or we're fearful of it and we shy away from it, rather than those things, we shine a light on it. And that guy at our school who's an atheist, who we're scared of because we're afraid that he's gonna prove that our faith is wrong, rather than shying away from him and being fearful of engaging that, we now get a chance to serve him in love and to allow God's light to shine through us by the way that we love that person. Rather than looking down our nose at that girl at our school who's sleeping around with every guy because we don't like the way that she's living, rather than that, we shine a light of love in her life to say, God has called you and has given you so much more value than any guy ever could. And by the way that we live our life, we get an opportunity to shine a light in the darkness, not run from it. Here's the last thing. Living uncommon means faith and obedience are necessary, they're not optional. Faith and obedience are necessary, not optional. You cannot live uncommon and decide that faith doesn't matter. You can't live uncommon and choose to walk in obedience only when it's convenient for you. What God is looking to do for all of us is to push us into situations that require radical faith and radical obedience. Where even though we don't understand the circumstances, we don't understand what God is doing, we don't necessarily maybe agree or it, it, it causes difficult decisions. We've determined in our mind that faith and obedience are essential. They're not optional. One of my favorite quotes that I've hung on to for the last few years is, is this right here, and you've got it in, the note, in your notes. The world has yet to see what God can do through one person who is fully surrendered to him. The world is yet to see what God can do through one person who is fully surrendered to him. You are an uncommon person with an uncommon calling. What Jesus has given you the opportunity to do every single day and what I believe is that God is gonna raise up a generation of you guys, of teenagers who would say, God, you count me in. God, whatever you want, whatever's required of me, my life is not about me, it's about you. Here's what I wanna do as we close up tonight. The band's gonna come up and, and sing as we close out. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here saying, all right, hey, that sounds cool, sounds good, but where do I start with all this? And maybe there's a, there's a couple of, of starting points depending on where you're at in the room. Maybe the starting point in order for you to, to determine in your mind that you wanna live uncommon. The, the starting point for you is, is salvation. Maybe you've never come to a place where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior. Hey, you guys, chill out for just a minute, right over here. Almost done. Don't tune me out, all right? Stick, stick with me for two more minutes. 
Maybe the starting point for you. Maybe you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your savior. Maybe you've played the game, maybe you've come in here, maybe you've tried to be good enough, and yet at the end of the day, you're sitting in that seat looking and saying, I'm unworthy, and your sin separates you from a holy God. And there's no amount of, of trying harder or doing, being good enough or effort or whatever that's gonna fix that. But what Jesus came to do is to give up his life for you so that you could live uncommon. So that Jesus could give you value and significance and purpose and meaning. But it doesn't happen until you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. Maybe the next step for you in order to, to live this thing out is to, to determine whether or not you're all in. Maybe there's an area of your life, maybe you've surrendered 99% of it, but you've held on to that area of your life. Maybe you've had one foot trying to build your own kingdom, and maybe, but 90% or 95% of building God's kingdom. And what it's gonna take, as I trip over the mic, what it's gonna take is you to fully surrender everything, every part of who you are, to determine, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm not 80%, I'm not on the fence. There's some of you guys in the room that you've come all year long, but you're still trying to determine whether Jesus is worth it. You're still trying to figure out whether or not this thing is worth your life. I'm gonna challenge you to jump in and to determine, God, you're worth it all. Maybe there's just a, a simple next step for you where you just need to, to daily spend time with Jesus. Maybe you've determined, hey, he's worth it, but I don't really know what the next step is. I don't know what to do. And there's, I think there's a, a, a lot of you in the room who you feel like it's, it's worth it, and yet you don't know anything about who Jesus is or the life that he's called you to because you never spend any time with him. So I would challenge you guys to jump in and to spend time with God. We've got some incredible resources out there to give you an opportunity that maybe the next step for you is to say, God, I wanna spend it every single day in time alone with you and allow you to start to reveal more of who you are to me and more of the life that you've called me to in order for me to start living this out. Here's what I wanna do as we close up tonight. Ben's gonna close out with a song. And normally at this point, we'd stand up and we'd sing and it'd be this amazing thing. But here's, I wanna do something a little bit different. This is a song about surrender. And so rather than everybody stand up and, and stare at these guys or maybe, maybe worship a little bit, I'm gonna challenge you just for the next couple minutes as they start into this song, just to, to allow God to speak to you about what he wants for you. What's your favorite song, Luke? What is that area maybe that you've held on to that God wants you to surrender? Have you determined that Jesus is worth it all? And for the next couple of minutes, just spend a few minutes and, and ask that question. God, are you worth it? Maybe you allow Jesus to reveal more of himself to you or maybe to reveal some of those areas to you. Just spend a minute or two just listening and asking Jesus, God, what do you want from me? And as we sing this song, a song of surrender, when you determine in your mind that Jesus is worth it all, 
as just a sign in this room to say, God, you count me in. God, I wanna live the uncommon calling. God, I'm nobody special, I'm nobody significant, but God, you make me worthy. And you've called me to something greater than anything that the world has to offer me. Jesus, my yes is on the table. I'm all in. God, whatever you want for me, God, I surrender everything to you. God, I want to live the uncommon calling. And as you're ready to make that statement tonight, that you would stand to your feet, not because the person next to you did, not because your section is, and you, you don't want to, to, to be looked at funny, but rather because you and only you are determining in your mind tonight, this is what I want to make my life about. This is what I want my life to be about, is about living the uncommon life. And when you're ready to do that, stand to your feet, and it be a sign of us, those of us that are ready to do that, say, Jesus, take it all. I surrender it all to you. Everything that you want is yours. And I'm putting the results in your hand. I'm just surrendering to you. God, would you be glorified? Would you speak to these students, leaders, all of us? Would we determine that you're worth it? Would we embrace this uncommon calling that you've put before us? We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.